everybody, and welcome to The Intersection, a podcast that takes a real look at how race and relationships intersect. We will look at how our unique and diverse lives intersect with thousands of people on a regular basis, and how the gospel intersects with each facet and issue that we face. Join us as we look at how we can set our eyes on the life of Christ as a source of compassion for each of our relationships. Our hosts include Pastor Jeff Bogue, Senior Pastor at Grace Church of Greater Akron, Bishop Joey Johnson, Founder and Senior Pastor at the House of the Lord, and Pastor Coach Kemp Boyd, Co-Pastor at Garden City Church and Executive Director for Love Akron. Keep listening as we cross paths on today's episode of The Intersection. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of The Intersection. This is our ninth episode, believe it or not. And again, The Intersection gives us an opportunity to meet each other exactly where we are. And as we meet on this intersection, that is life. What we tend to strive for is not for agreement, but for understanding as we encounter each other on The Intersection. And man, I have two individuals who are vastly older than me, vastly more <laughs> wise and highly intelligent than I am oh, um, to, to come along with me on this journey as we encounter each other on the intersection. One is Bishop Joey Johnson. He is the founding pastor of House of the Lord and also Pastor Jeff Bogue. He is the lead pastor over at Grace of Greater Akron. Brothers, how y'all doing today? Good, good. Great, good, great. good, good. Everybody's ready to go. Hey, it's Passion Week, Resurrection. Yesterday was Palm Sunday. Man, we're leading into Good Friday. I know everybody's ready. Sermon preps are ready to go. We're ready to get many people in, right? Ready to go, right? Everybody's good? We are ready to go. We're, we're going to do nine services. So oh. I'm, I'm uh, carving up, <laughs> getting my electrolytes in. <laughs> I'm going yeah, brother, you better get ready. Oh, my yeah, God. Come on, Dell. I, I Hey, we'll, we'll make sure we're on standby. You can just tap in. We'll be like a tag. There you go. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, if I'd known that, I could have come back earlier and be standing in the wings. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just ready to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, know that we are both praying for, you know, we're all praying for you, you two as you churches. I'm also praying for my brother, who I co-pastor with, Brian Kunkler as we lead into our Good Friday service and also Sunday. And again, the intersection is kind of birthed from our One City movement that we're doing and leading through Love Akron. And really this kind of came with, man, about two years ago as myself and Bishop and Jeff, we started talking. We always knew that when God originally spoke, he just spoke to the church of the city mm -hmm. and everybody heard it and everybody was blessed by it. And so we're trying to see how do we get back to that? How do we get back to just being one city? And we believe that this podcast, The Intersection, is an opportunity for us to do that really well. Now, we think back to last episode. The premise of this episode is something that I'm going to lean into because if anybody listened last time, you always hear Bishop say, hey, Kemp, I hope you're writing this down. Luckily, I stay ready with a pen in hand, ready to write <laughs> down anytime he says anything like that. So today, the premise of our episode is we want to look at the priority of the Christian church. Is it the exegete or is it the relationship or is it both? And I think that we can probably make um, a discussion, not an argument, but a discussion to say it's probably both. But then we have to, it, we have to be careful of if it's exegeting, then where is it coming from? The person that's doing it. Because if we're it's almost like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Pastor Jeff, it's almost like if you get either much of the other, then, then one is always being, if you will, not, not reverenced or not noticed enough. Is that, is that right to say that? Uh, it, it could be that way. You know, I, I think, you know, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because he says, you, you guys know the word, but you don't know me, you know, and so what you are is whitewashed tombs. And and so uh, you can go down that path and the knowledge of scripture can puff you up. It can make you arrogant. Uh, the way that you teach ex exegeting scripture ultimately is a method of teaching the scripture. One that, by the way, Jesus and the apostle Paul did not use. So you, you have to be like careful about all those kind of things. Um, the other side of it is, is that 
exegeting scripture, teaching that way is, is, has a lot of good discipline in it. And it keeps you from just reading your opinion and reading the current trends of the day into the scripture. It kind of makes you stay true to the text. But when I, when I look at scripture, I believe this very, very deeply. Thankfully, in the scripture, somebody asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he's like, love me, love people, right? Love Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. He did not say the greatest commandment was to run a church a certain way or to teach the scripture a certain way. Yeah. So anytime anything trumps love of God and love of people, uh, you have you you have to look at that method and and change it, right? And yeah. um, but sometimes in the name of loving people, people abandon scripture. And that's where you've crossed the line the other direction, where the scripture does say this, I love you, but I cannot agree with you or affirm you or or uh, or, or be where you want me to be. So awesome. I, I appreciate hey, this that. is remarkable. This is remarkable. <laughs> I opened my uh, Bible on my phone to Matthew 2237. Uh, you, you opened your Bible on your phone. You mean you don't have your Bible sitting right no, beside you? No, I'm in my modern Christian. You're not ready. And Come he on, said Bishop. to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law all the prophets, or really the, the whole Old Testament is, is hanging on um, those two commandments. It's very interesting. I woke up, I had a very interesting experience about three weeks ago. I woke up preaching, um, you must be born again. Mm. I don't know why, I just, I was preaching this. I said, well, maybe the Lord, maybe you want me to go over there and do some work on that. And so as I did, um, what I began to come out with is exactly what uh, Pastor Jeff is talking about and we're talking about today. Christianity is in, now, now here's where we're going to, somebody's going to fall off and uh, we'll have to get uh, uh, some uh, new heart surgeons over there to deal with them like me. <laughs> um, Christianity is an experience which creates a relationship which we process in our minds. He didn't say, as Pastor Jeff started out so brilliantly, he didn't say you must know the Bible. He didn't say you, you must have this moral stance. He said, you must be born again, born from above. You must have this experience with you where you are born of the spirit the experience creates a relationship with God. And then we process that in our minds. It's not that we don't use our mind, but our minds can't give us a Christian experience or a Christian relationship. We have to have those in reality. What do you think about that? Go ahead, Pastor Jeff. Uh, I was I was waiting on you. It looked like you were going to say oh. something. Well, I got, I got a question. What I think about that is, um, I appreciate because that's I, that's what I believe. I always believe from a relational perspective. Um, what what I kind of want to go back to, if you have something with that, Pastor Jeff, I want you to say it before I get because mine is going to go back to something you said about um, exegesis and how we do that in this method type of thing. So. <laughs> Well, but if you I want to comment on Bishop Joey, I was I was writing down that quote. Christianity is an experience that that uh, leads to a relationship. That's a great quote. The um, when I think about that, I think it's true that it it, it so happens that uh, this weekend for Easter, I'm I'm preaching on the thief on the cross, mm. and here you have a, a man who disrupts most of our Christian cultural concepts. Never read the Bible, never went to church, never served another tithe, never proclaimed God, never sang a worship song. But he believed in his guilt. He said to the other thief, we deserve to be here. Uh -huh. And he believed in the 
we would say the deity or the lordship of Christ. This truly is God. And then he asked, I'm guilty. Can I be with you? And Jesus is like, yep. And what's, what's powerful in there, and I want to be oh so careful. I, I do. I know Bishop does too, and you do too, Kemp. We all hold the view. Our view of scripture is very high, right? Oh. So we would very much believe in the scripture. I believe in the inerrancy of the scripture and the completeness of the scripture and all this kind of things. Very, very high view of scripture. We can worship it if we're not careful that the scripture is meant to reveal and to proclaim the truth of God. It's not, the Bible itself is not to be worshiped. The God the Bible points us to is to be worshiped. And when you get into arguments, a lot of theological arguments are this way. And when you get into like preaching, teaching arguments, exegesis, not exegesis, those kind of things, you're arguing the wrong thing. So instead of saying, uh, how do you handle the Bible? And let's have a fight about that. I might say, how do we learn to love our enemy? That the, the transgendered person, there is sin, there is confusion, there is, but I'm to love them. And to be honest, I don't know always how to do that in the context of following Christ. I can't agree, but I want to love Am I searching the scripture for that yeah. as opposed to looking and saying, well, the punctuation on this word says, says this. So that's where that gets lost, where loving God and how do I love a God who just allowed my child to die? Mm. That, that is like, those are where, that's why we're searching the scripture, wanting to know and understand the heart of God. And it leads us to faith and it challenges and it teaches and rebukes and corrects and does everything it's supposed to do. But if, if my passion and determination to love God and passion and determination to love my neighbor isn't leading in my consumption of scripture, then the chances of that scripture puffing me up are very, very uh, high because I think I've discovered something that nobody else has discovered. And it's not teaching, rebuking, and correcting my own heart. Mm. I, had, I had one time, uh, somebody asked me, uh, a, a young pastor asked me, how do you know you're ready to preach a sermon? And what he was asking was, how do you know you've done the prep that you need to do? And my answer to him was, once the passage has convicted and changed me, that's right. I'm ready to teach it. Amen. And, and it's that kind of mindset not that I cross my academic dots and I, you know, T's and I's, but has it changed me? And that's from a person who has a very, very high view of scripture. I'm, I would never blow. And a very high view of himself. And myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am by far the, the person that I love the most in life. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, you're, 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 you're oh, preaching, um, you're yeah, preaching high octane. Yeah, you're preaching with gas in the age of that's electric. Um, so I, I think um, the question I would ask is to push us a little bit further in that direction. Why, I, have a, I also have a high view of scripture. Why are we so afraid to say anything in that move in a particular direction as if somehow we're going to tarnish our high view of scripture. And I believe that it's because we are so far away from the Hebrew perspective of the text that we have. We, we have a Western perspective and our Western perspective is literate. It's, it's Greek oriented, it's enlightenment oriented and we hear and read the Bible through those lenses and believe that that's what the Bible is. When the Bible, when Jesus never preached any sermons, he, he didn't take a text. There was no text to take, um, not a New Testament text. He, the Bible says he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, he simply, most of the Bible, when I say these things, people usually just get, they don't, they look at me very puzzled. And then just say, well, have a good day. Um, because they don't know these things, although they're so self-evident. The Bible is not a textbook. It's a book of stories, mostly. 
The Old Testament is full of narratives. The New Testament has less narratives because it has more, um, more teaching in the Old Testament, but it's full of stories also. It's not a rule book. You can't, it's not going to tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that, even though that's the way we use it. It's not a literate Christianity. Early Christianity was not literate. People were not reading, taking texts, moving on. Uh, I think Paul would be shocked if he walked in the modern church today and, and heard us preach. He would be like, well, what is that? What are they doing? Because that wasn't what he was doing. It was nothing platonic, Greek uh, about it. It was about your whole heart loving God and loving people. And the Bible was written so that you might find yourself in the story and come into relationship with God and with people. And there is probably our big, why we're so afraid, because we know that many people would not agree with that statement. What is the Bible for? And, and that, that, when that you look at one eight, that's actually what it means to be a witness. Uh, it, it's not an observation from afar. It's a bearing witness of the change within my life. And I, I think that's a huge part of it. And, and Paul and Jesus and, and all like Peter's sermon, like they were, they were sharing the transformation that happened from within their life. Now, yeah, that's right. I would look my theological perspective. I would look and say, and the church wasn't established and the Holy Spirit hadn't led the authors along yet. So there was no Bible to be alive and active in our hearts, cutting the joint marrow of the bone. So I'm like, the Bible is a new thing, like an after, the New Testament is an after, uh, after the Bible times, you know, after, after uh, the apostles, those kind of things. So I do think we approach it and we approach it through the guiding and the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that helps us to do that. But I very, very strongly agree with Bishop. It is not a textbook. It, it is a communication from the heart and the mind of God. And capturing his heart and mind is much, much more important than capturing the sentence structure or the syntax of a certain language. Those things are important so that we're seeing the heart and mind of God correctly. And we're not reading in our opinion because we've all heard the word of God be butchered and abused and, and all those kind of things. So academically, I, I think that academic background is important because it, it orients you. I don't believe that that should drive the teaching of God's word. I, I believe it should drive the teacher so that the teacher's not abusing the text. But if we're not exposing the heart and mind of God, what we say here at Grace a lot is if we're not making Jesus make sense, then we're failing the, the purpose or the gift that the Bible was given to us for from, from God. Yeah, I think I just you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Brother Kemp. Yeah, I just want to jump in here for a second because I want to go back to something that both of you said in our last episode. Bishop, you said, and you said it today as well, but you said we should see the Bible not as a rule book, but a narrative of the relationship with God and with others, which goes into how we love God and how we love people, right? And Jeff, you, you came in and said, hey, man, that the word of God is alive and it's active. And you spoke into that a little bit when you talked about how, you know, what are we going into the word to find, right? Bishop said, hey, you know, essentially we're trying, we should be trying to find our place in the story of God as we look through this narrative, right? And you even said, Jeff, and I really appreciate this because I haven't heard this before, but I liked it. And I, I know that's what I do in and with myself because I was always taught, man, you can't preach something that you haven't experienced or that you haven't been convicted by. And I think right now we're living in a time, especially within the body of Christ, to where we're going into the scriptures to prove that we're right. Yeah. And not to do what you said, Pastor Jeff, where you said, hey, I want to go and look in the scriptures to find out how do I love people? Like, what does it say about how I love? And that's a totally different perspective man like i appreciate you saying that brother but it's it's not something that i've heard a lot is that i'm going to figure it out 
You're not going to hear a lot because we're so far away from that. I, I'm going to camp over here on the uh, on, on the Western. I get in trouble when I do this because Western people get offended. Um, what are you saying? Uh, what what Western viewpoint, Western ideology, Western lenses is not what the Bible is <laughs> not the context in which the Bible was written. And so we have a problem. Who, first of all, whose story is it? Now, this is going to blow some people's minds. Whose story is it? It's God's story. It's history. It's his story about creation, the fall, redemption, and consummation. I just gave you what the whole Bible is about. Creation, the fall, redemption, and consummation. That's the Bible. That's what it's about. And we take it and make it academic. We're not looking at it as God's story. We would rather argue about what's right, what we believe, and there have been come up, there have become a lot of touchstones in Western Christianity that say you are right about this if you believe this. Now you could be full of the devil, hate people, but if you believe this, you're all right. You got to believe the Bible is uh, inerrant. You have to believe, and we'll go down a list of proofs. This is how we prove. And you don't see anything like that in the Bible. We're not reading it. We're not applying it. We're trying to dissect it from a Western perspective. And really, I don't know if I asked this last time or not. So you get old, you don't remember what you said. Um, <laughs> but in America, you could say, if you're smart, you're spiritual. And we look to the smart folks to tell us what to believe. But if, you're, if, if you are intellectually challenged, how do you have a relationship with God? Yeah. Only the smart people would be able to have one. Yeah, and, and I when, when I think about what you're saying, Bishop, the, the when you, if you want to use the Bible to uh, underpin, I just saw a social media post today and uh, it was talking about um, uh, sexual identity issues. And somebody said on the social media post that the most unchristian thing you could do is not accept somebody for their sexual identity. And when I read that, I thought you probably have verses that you have laid in there to back you up because you're not letting the story and the truth of God define your opinion, you're trying to reinforce your opinion based on uh, the authority of the Bible. That's the same mindset that would go and say, well, I'm a neo-Nazi and Jesus is on my side and we're the Ku Klux Klan and we worship God. We worship Jesus. It's the exact same mindset. It's the same abuse of the scripture. Uh, it's the abuse that says um, what God wants for you is to be happy, healthy, prosperous, and have all your dreams come true. And the abuse that says if you don't take a vow of silence and, and poverty and become a nun, then you're not really pleasing God. None of that's in the book. And so what, what good Bible study is, is looking and saying, I want to love God. I want to love him with my heart, soul, mind, strength. That's my motivation. And I want to love my neighbor. I want my love for God to translate in how I interact with those that he values the most. I want to love the people that God loves. What does the Bible say, tell me about how to do that? Those two things. What does the Bible correct in me? Because I thought it was this, but it's not that. You know, I'm learning. Uh, what does the Bible rebuke me for? You know what? You hate your brother and you say you love God. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And what does the Bible encourage me in? You know, you you, uh, you were generous or you do have a heart for this cause. And that's a kind of a heart. God wants you to love justice and, and uh, uh, love mercy, do justice, walk humbly with him. Like that's what he the, the scripture is forming us. We don't form it. And I believe in. 
academic disciplines. I think it's important. But the point of all of that is so that we're allowing the scripture to, to form us so oh. that we are more and more Christ-like as we go through, go through things. So if you said- Jeff, you're hitting that thing heavy today, brother. You, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that if, if we're gonna talk about tools or methods or whatever, um, academic discipline is a tool. Right. To be used and that's all towards, it is. towards becoming more loving. Now, when you look at the Bible, excuse me for doing that, but when you look at the Bible um, and you take somebody like John the Baptist, John the Baptist came eating locusts and wild honey in the wilderness, but we miss what Jesus says about him. There's no man born of a woman that is any greater than John the Baptist. Now, all Americans ought to be having a whole lot of trouble right now. Mm. This guy comes in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey uh, like a wild man. And you're telling me he's close. Nobody's closer to God than him. You mean that the college professor uh, of, of New Testament and Old Testament isn't closer to God than somebody who's out in the wilderness? That's problematic. And so when, when you end up dealing with those things, I think, Jeff, you're hitting that all, Pastor Jeff, all over the head. It's about love. It's about how we operate within love. It's about taking the scripture and using it in order to create opportunity. And guess what? Guess how it fits where, where we are. The most, the people who are the most doctrinal are generally the ones who are least loving or, 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 or they, don't, they don't show a lot of love. They have tremendous doctrine, but they don't have a lot of love. You believe so strong in abortion that you'll kill people. You believe so strong in love that you won't treat your brother or sister as they ought to be treated if they're a different color from you. Mm. Where, where is, how is that the Bible? And I would, I would agree with what you just said, Bishop, and then I would add the other side of the coin. The people who are devoid of doctrine are, are the, um, the people who are looking at you and saying, if, if you sow a seed of $100, you're going to Rolls Royce. It's abusive in a different direction, and, it, and it's abusive to people in a different direction, all because one, one person approached the word of God as a, I can master it and know it. It's not alive and active. I can't master and know my wife because she's alive and active. She changes 28 years later, she's a different person. So I journey with her, right? I discover her. I can't do that. I also can't, uh, uh, vaguely talk about her and make her only meet my needs and do what I want her to do. If she's not defining me in a relational sense, then we'd actually don't have a healthy relationship. So the, the throw the baby out with the bathwater, we're, we're all capable of just reading the Bible and then what says, I'm like, that winds up very, very abusive. I know the answers and only I know the answers is very, very abusive. The humble heart who's trying to know God and then wants that to translate into loving people. And what's hard about that is you can't measure it, right? Uh, I was asked recently, like, should we use gender pronouns with transgender people? I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean? I'm like, well, I, do, I want to love them and I want them to know Christ. And I don't, I think the biggest issue in their life is that they don't know Christ. So do if Kemp told me to call him Bill, would I just call him Bill? I mean, I don't care. So I'm like, I, I actually, don't, I have to wrestle with that through the truth of scripture, through the heart of God, not come up with an easy answer of it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. But not come up with a, oh, you got the one sin, you're out of my life. Somewhere in there, like I'm wrestling with the heart of God as I wrestle with his word. And the word is alive and active. It changes me in that process. 
Well, I think I think um, you're hitting that on. I mean, you are you're hot today. I'm telling you. I <laughs> but but I think what you're saying is that love provides no easy answers. That's right. That's right. There's nothing easy about love. Yeah. There's nothing um, that is uh, so solid that you can put your hands on it and answer all questions. It just doesn't operate that way, and in fact, I was thinking when you said that, it just tick um, Jacob wrestling with God, which I think we missed the entire sequence of what's going on. You can't wrestle with somebody. And I notice I didn't say something. You can't wrestle with somebody and be distant from them. That's right. It's good. Wrestling brings you into close proximity and into closeness when you wrestle. Now, when I explain this to, to uh, mothers, it's usually lost, so this would be a good time to do so. Men do not value program their love the same as women. And so when men have sons, at some point they're going to show their love to them by wrestling. Say that again, Bishop. They're going to show their loves to their sons by wrestling. And mothers are going to be, stop! You're going no. to hurt him. You're going to stop. Well, they don't understand that men are demonstrating their love in a different way. And then that wrestling, it brings you close together. And it is a form of hugging. So Jacob is wrestling with God. But in the wrestling, he's coming closer to God in that reality of, of wrestling with him. We don't wrestle with people. We wrestle with the text in order to bludgeon people. Come on now. That's not the same thing. Wrestling with people around the text is not the same as wrestling with the text to hurt people. That's, that's right. And or wrestling with the text to love God and to understand God. And, and, and if the scripture is not, if you formed an answer, a theological answer to a question in, in your life, and that, that answer has never been challenged by the scripture, or push, then it's not a biblical answer. It's your opinion, and you just closed your mind to the rest of what the Bible says. So I'm, and I didn't say that you have to hold your positions fluidly. I think you have very formed positions, but you're all, when you're wrestling to love people, your theology is always going to be challenged. Yeah. And, and you don't have to, you don't have to abandon it per se, but you have to go back and say, God, I want to honor you. How do I love this person? Jesus died for really messed up, really gross, really broken people. And you're one of them. Yep. So how yep. did a holy God wrestle with that to interact with such an, an unholy person? That's what the scripture is, is showing us and teaching us. Absolutely. From, from the old to the new, you're watching that process. That's the redemptive process that Bishop was talking about earlier. But Pastor Jeff, watch this. Now, you know, I've been on these strains and I get off. So uh, we, why are we, we, we so, know, we know. Yeah, why are we so afraid of doctrinal impurity? We don't, we, I, I, please don't, don't say that I'm doctrinally impure. Please don't say that I'm wrong. Please don't, but I'm not afraid of being unloving biblically. That's right. Not afraid of that at all. Yeah, so no, I don't, I don't, if you said that about me, that, that didn't even register. But if you said I was doctrinally impure, then we're going to have an argument. We're going to have a fight. We're going to, why? Because what, what you just said brings it to a head. I am and I'm looking for a loving relationship with God, not his word. His word has been separated from him, almost as if it is something different than what he is. You shall love the Lord your God, not his word, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. When I, how can I love God and then take his word and separate it and say it means something different 
than the God who wrote the word, who gave us the word. Interesting. Bishop, do me a favor, Bishop, because I, I, I want our audience to understand this. You said um, doctrinally impure. Help our audience understand what you mean by that. Well, we have a, in America, we are deathly afraid. The death knell over your ministry is when people would say to you, you are doctrinally impure. That means there is something in your doctrine which is unbiblical, which doesn't match up um, with uh, what is right, um, with the authority of the Bible, um, with those kinds of things. And then you're off. That's it. And once that's been pronounced over your ministry, um, then people can do whatever they want to do with you. Many, many years ago, when I changed our doctrine uh, at the house of the Lord from a non-Pentecostal doctrine to a charismatic doctrine, and I was um, kicked off of Moody and all that good stuff, um, Hank Hanegraaff, you might not know who he is. He's called the Bible Answer Man. Uh, I made it to the top tier. And he talked about me once. Somebody called in and said, have you heard about this Joey Johnson? He said, no, but we'll investigate. Why? Because I had the audacity to teach something different than what the standard is and therefore be disapproved by those who are in leadership or whatever authority you want to have. And you don't want that to happen to you. You would rather anything happen to you than that. So you could be unloving Nobody's going to say a word to you. But if you have doctrinal impurity, we are deathly afraid. Of course, at 70 years old, I'm not afraid. I don't even care. Um, <laughs> I mean, what can, what can you do to a 70-year-old man? Yeah. Fire me? <laughs> and, and this goes back probably to a question I wanted to ask, too, when we started talking about, you know, how we exegete. And Pastor Jeff was talking about how there's a method of teaching scripture. Do we find now today, and this goes, I think, in line with what you're talking about here, Bishop, do we find ourselves right now in the body of Christ so caught up in agreement in how we do that, that there's this universal kind of carbon copied way of doing it? And if you're not doing it the way that I agree with, then you're not doing it right. And well, again, you absolutely. get caught up and you guys said this in, in the last episode. Why do we get so hung up on right and wrong? versus and simply versus because saying, hey, that's, human, that's human nature that's sin um but what in america what we have is a uh, a entertainment driven um system it depends on who's on tv and and the the largest bigger folks that are on tv are driving the christian market and we watch them and then try to emulate what we see without even knowing that. So I've had people come to me, other pastors, I mean, we're not doing anything. I mean, we don't have this number or that number. I said, who told you you had to have any number? You're watching somebody and you're interpreting your ministry on the basis of, what, of what's happening over there. God uses various people in, very, in different ways. He didn't say you had to be big or small or he said you had to be faithful. Once again, it comes back to what Pastor Jeff said, the heart. Mm. Now, every time I say the word heart, well, this will be for the next time. You want to write this down? <laughs> <laughs> every time I say the word heart, the American person never hears me. Mm. They don't hear heart, they hear brain. In the Bible, the heart is not the brain. The heart represents all that you are. You have to bring everything. That's why I said you shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. You got, it is a whole person reality, Christianity, not an intellectual reality, not simply a doctrinal reality. It is a whole person reality. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, uh, and it goes on. What he's saying is, in that case, the word body represents all that you are when you study it. Many times when, the, when Paul uses the word heart or brain or think, he's talking about all that you are, not a platonic thought or a doctrine or a teaching. 
He's talking about a Hebraic concept. Now, one of the problems, you writing this down, Kemp, you ain't writing. I'm, I'm right, I wrote it. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bible is written, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, but it is Hebraic through and through. Hebrew logic, Hebrew religion, Hebrew values, it is not Greek. It is Hebraic. And what we do is come to America because it's written in Greek and we're Greek and we got the enlightenment and all that and take a Hebraic Bible and text and culture and twist it into a Greek perspective and wonder why we have the problems we have. That's why we have the problem we have. Love, the whole person, those are Hebrew concepts. Individuality, mind, those are Greek concepts. That when when you think about uh, exegeting and and having passions about that, um, I think I think there's a spectrum. So I think most men and women who have studied the Bible um, academically uh, come to convictions. Right. And so they, I have convictions. Bishops got convictions. Camps, you got convictions. And so that's why we would start churches and do it in a certain vein. You know, I think what happens is those convictions become competitions. Mm. And so the, it moves from this is what I'm convicted of. This is what the, the Lord has laid on my heart to uh, I'm going to prove you wrong. And as soon as you get into competitions, you got a winner, you got a loser. And uh, nobody wants to be the loser. So you get separation, you get division, you get on and on and on and on and on. And so that conviction that turns into a competition, then what happens is you start abusing the scripture and you start saying like, uh, put the divisive one out of your midst and don't relate with people who, you know, don't believe there's a God and have nothing to do with them. And so suddenly like, Bishop and I, who have different convictions, we're not allowed to be friends or talk to each other and really can't let our churches work together. Or I get labeled liberal and he gets labeled a compromiser. And nobody knows our relationship. Mm. Right. That I didn't I didn't move on my convictions and he's not going to move on his convictions, but we love each other. We want our churches to love each other. We really love our city. Why can't we? And, and that's, I think, what Joey is, what Bishop's saying is, like, you get those labels, and it's a, it's a scarlet letter in your circle uh, of people. Those things get turned into methods because they're trying to keep convictions pure. So if you preach only exegetically, then that will make the the your view of scripture be pure and it will keep you from stumbling into something you shouldn't stumble into so if you don't do that you must be liberal which is what i get called all the time liberal and emergent and all these other things and i'm like but you have you well, listened they certainly to don't know you no they don't yeah no, that's not who you are have you listened to my sermons do you know what i say out loud what i what you say to what you preach to the choir, I preach to the public, right? And, but it's all that, and it's, it, it, frankly, it's just easier than having a relationship with somebody. You don't have to invest time. You don't have to know their heart. You don't have to develop a trust or a love. I can just label you, mark you, discount you. Yep. Oh, oh, you know what? You know what, Johnson? He's charismatic. And, and that's it. And not like, even know what that means. Not even not know what it means, not know what it means to you, not know how that plays out, you know? Yeah. He, he's just like one of the TV guys. I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? And they would do that to me. Uh, he's he's big, mega church, evangelical white guy. I'm like, you don't know me. But it's just easier. Yep. And, and the, our relationship with that, I say this all the time. Never think of your relationship, God, out, outside of relational terms. 
and relationships take work and they are they're defined by love a lot of work a lot of love and people Um, don't want to i told you you're hot today you're i mean you're you're cooking with gas (laughs) Let, let me say one more thing before we quit, because I, I think this is where we have to go. The question that Kemp is asking is, how do we get there? When, let, let me show you how we get there. I, I haven't done I, I didn't prepare to do this, so I'm going to have to do it with these glasses. No, man, here we go. So God wrote, he gave us a love letter. And it's written from a particular perspective to a particular people at a particular place and time in a particular culture. We are 2,000 years away from that. But I see through these lenses. Once I put these lenses on, everything I see is filtered through these lenses. So watch this. Because I'm trying to make a point. I don't think people can, can grasp it. These are Greek lenses. I'm going to put them on. Now I'm going to read the Bible. Everything I read in the Bible is going to be read through these lenses. Now, what Pastor Jeff is saying, there are blue lenses. There are red lenses. There are green lenses. And when we attempt to talk, we're really not even talking in the same vein, because we are talking different things. What I'm trying to get us to do is, let's get back to God's lenses, which means we have to start where he started, not end way up here in 2022. Uh, One writer said, it's like coming to a conversation at 11.45 p.m. that began at 8 a.m. The conversation didn't begin 20 years ago or 30 or 50. It began 2,000 years ago. And so when I start talking, people get, they, they, uh, well, who cares about that? I'm the, you have to care about it because it is the foundation of Christianity. <laughs> And we never get back that far because we are where we are in our perspectives and our in our views with our lenses. And I think that a good academic training teaches you that. And and I I look and say my view of that would be I would look and say the scripture was written at a particular time, particular place, but is eternal. And through the empowerment and the lenses of the Holy Spirit, uh, it can be and should be interpreted correctly. And some of these academic tools, for lack of a better word, helps us to do that correctly. I need to know the Hebrew culture context and some of the Greek, you know, there's Roman influence in there too. Um, but, But I need the Holy Spirit. to because that scripture does apply. You just rang the bell. How do I? How do I get that? The whole, without the Holy Spirit, it is merely an academic exercise. So I, I would use that illustration, which I think is a great one, and say, I, I need to look at the scriptures through bifocals. And I need to look at it through the culture and the context. And then I need to look at it through the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Alive and active and eternal. And I wholeheartedly I, agree. And my tools to help me do that need to be put in their proper space so they're not actually the lenses that they're they're the things that help me make sure that i understand the culture and the context and the language and the theology properly if that jumps all the way out uh the bible will become a weapon uh if it's pushed all the way off the bible will become a weapon if it's put in its proper context through the work of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the pursuit of those things, I think we can approach the Bible in a healthy, in a healthy way, right? What I that means wholeheartedly though, agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And what that means is my brother who does who's not in my theological camp can also do that. 
So I need to, I need to learn. I need to allow myself to be pushed. And it doesn't mean I have to change where I'm at, but, but I guarantee you my charismatic brothers have thoughts and views on the Holy Spirit that I need to have. Yeah. And I probably have thoughts and views about uh, like dispensations and things like that, that would help them a lot. And we, that's that relationship, even in this disagreement that goes back and forth. So. Yeah. And Hey, there you have it. Another episode of intersection. What, as I'm listening, the one scripture that comes up to me is Proverbs 17, 17, that says a brother or a friend loves at all time. And a brother is born for adversity. And this is what we attempt to do here is, you know, hey, you're going to hear some back and forth. It's not about agreeing. It's about us coming to a place to where as we meet each other at the intersection that we can grow in our understanding of one another that will continue to take us down that road of loving each other. Hey, just two quotes I want to share with everybody again. One, Bishop Johnson had said something earlier about the Christian experience. The Christian Christianity is an experience that creates relationship with God. And just one that Pastor Jeff said today that I really love, he said, conviction becomes competition. Conviction becomes competition. That's something for all of us to remember. And so, hey, let's be convicted with ourselves internally to where I go search the scriptures that teaches me how to love God better and love others better as well. And so if you have any, and we would love to hear from you, so submit your feedback and any questions that you have for us at intersection at loveakron.com. That's intersection at loveakron.com. And you can subscribe, follow on Apple, Google, Sketcher, Spotify, or YouTube. Man, this podcast is going to be everywhere. It's nationwide, worldwide, doing big things as we always do. And so grateful to Bishop Johnson and also you, Pastor Jeff, for your time. And so, hey, be ready again for, the, for another episode of The Intersection. And just any parting words, want to wish you both happy Resurrection Sunday. Be praying for you both. Don't fumble on the goal line preaching. All right, let's go. Uh, please pray for Pastor Jeff. He's got like nine services to lead. So Gatorade, fluids, you know, get your pasta in, all your cards, be ready to go. Um, but hey, man, God bless you both. Love you both, you and your families. And let's keep doing what we do to minister God's kingdom here on earth. Love you now and so long from the intersection. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of The Intersection, where we look at how everything intersects and brings us all back to Jesus. You can subscribe and follow us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. You can reach out to us with questions or comments at intersection at loveakron.com. That's intersection at loveakron.com. And we'll see you next time at The Intersection.